Have you ever been amazed by the history found below the streets of a city? We were when we discovered Mary King's Close in Edinburgh, Scotland. You're listening to Travel FOMO, a podcast for people self-diagnosed with Wanderlust. Welcome back to the Travel FOMO podcast. We are crossing into a new country on our gap year journey today. We are taking you to Edinburgh, Scotland. I am Jamin Houghton, and with me is the person that I drag to as many castles as possible, my wife, Hillary. That's me. Oh, I'm so glad to be the one that you dragged the castle. <laughs> <laughs> Even though that you kind of put it off and try to think of ways to not have to go, but I well, still make I, you go. I prefer the haunted castles. See, that's what I picked up later on. I just make up some ghost story about a castle and then you're excited to go. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Edinburgh. Oh, so good. Yeah, so, so good. good. Okay, but let's just get one thing straight. People call it Edinburgh. Edinburgh, yeah. And Edinburgh. Correct. But neither are wrong. <laughs> According to you, neither are wrong. I'm pretty sure I've looked that up multiple times and neither are wrong, but you prefer Edinburgh and I prefer Edinburgh. I prefer to say it the way that I heard every local say it. Yes. Mm, Fair. And you prefer Edinburgh. I prefer Edinburgh. So I'm just putting that out there in case, well, people will hear us saying it two different ways. So just so they know. I just pronounce it in the way that I like to call the right way. This is what I live with, guys. Like, he literally just says, but it's the right way because I do it this way. It's the right way. Oh, man. But let's, okay, let's just say it. It was so cool. Yeah. My favorite place, I think, on on all of our travels. Are you saying you like it more than Houghton Tower? That's tough. That's tough. I feel more connected to Houghton Tower and more like sentimentality and so if I had to pick a place to be forever or just one spot I would still probably pick Houghton Tower but there's just so much at Edinburgh so much stuff I mean we were there four nights and we packed a ton into our time there and I couldn't get enough I was upset to leave and just started plotting how to get back right away (laughs) yeah we both really liked it we were both like our minds were blown and I'd been there before but I didn't remember it like this this was just like a whole nother level we really dug into it we spent more time there and really got to see a lot and it was incredible from the moment we arrived literally Yeah. Yeah, yeah literally from the from the time we stepped off the train. Yeah, from the time we stepped off the train. I remember us literally taking steps out of the train station and you could hear bagpipes playing, tons of activity, people walking the streets, very trendy. Um, yeah. I noticed right away, like it's mm-hmm. a very trendy city. Um, it's got edgy vibes, um, really great views. Like you just immediately start looking around and you're like looking at unbelievable architecture everywhere right i was just about to say that from everywhere everywhere and then half the time you're looking across at something on a hill or something you know the the castle on the hill and 
all these different things that you're just like, what is that? I've got to go over there and see that. I've got to go here. And it just, yeah, I honestly, it being so urban and so trendy kind of surprised me and I didn't remember that about it. Um, and then it was such a great, like, honestly, from my perspective, I was like, I just want to go to a concert. Like I suddenly was like, I want to go to a concert. (laughs) (laughs) It just seemed like a great place that probably has a great underground music scene. And, um, we ended up meeting some people there that told us that New Year's Eve is a really big deal there. Um, I mean, there was just so much happening. It was, it was amazing right off the bat. I could just tell like, we're going to love it. Yeah, so many great people and everyone excited to be there, excited that you were there and like laid back, but sort of an energy at the same time Mm -hmm. and was just such an incredible and so, so such a different place Yeah, than anywhere that, that we had been. And I remember even like we had a great Airbnb. And it was in the grass market area in the shadow of the castle, like literally in the shadow of the castle. Yeah. And I loved that Airbnb. Yeah. But tell everybody what the grass market area is, because I had kind of forgotten by the time it was all said and done. I kind of forgot even what what's its historic significance. Yeah. So it's it's a big kind of square, like a big open area and now it's it's just sort of this open place with like a bunch of uh, restaurants and pubs and they all kind of set tables up outside and you can tell that they have like outdoor markets and stuff there but it was literally uh, a market area where everyone would come and gather and it's it's the grass market area and back when public hangings were a thing and executions they would take place there. So to be a, a lesson to everyone, like executions were done in public. And so most hangings took place in the grass market area. It's sort of steeped in history and all of the the city of Edinburgh, the internal city is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. So it's all protected. Oh, I'd and forgotten so, that. Yeah. Wow. So everything inside the city walls is protected So it all looks the same. And so the grass market area appears the same as it did back then. It's like cool breweries and pubs and places that you want to hang out and be now. But in the day, it was a wide open market and there were public executions and things like that. But it looks the same, which I just think is so cool and was such a cool place to stay because our our Airbnb was on a corner of a building and out of one set of windows, you could see the castle up yeah. on its hill, sort of imposing and dominating the city. Mm-hmm. And then out of the other window, you could see the wide open grass market sort of court, the square. But I loved staying at that at that Airbnb. And I remember we got there and we went to buy groceries that first night. And it's funny because we went, we looked up places to buy groceries. I feel like Apple Maps and Google Maps were not being our friend at that point. And we That's walked right. a long, long ways, sort of in the dark and sort of away from the part of the city where you want to be. And it was a little dicey, a little sketchy. And we bought groceries. We bought a bunch of groceries because we were going to be there a while. So we've got all these like heavy bags of groceries 
that were like schlepping back to our place. And I feel like we literally walked past three or four grocery stores on our way back to the Airbnb <laughs> that night. Um, but we made it back and we finally bit the bullet and bought the prawn Pringles. That's right. This is the place where we did it. Yes. I, I was mistaken earlier and thought that we'd done it early. You corrected me. It was here and it was here that we finally bought the prawn Pringles and we got to try them. And they're as weird as you think that they would be. It's like shrimp cocktail in a can. In a potato form. In a potato form. Yeah, it's really, really <laughs> funny. But if you like shrimp cocktails, it's not the worst thing in the world. But I don't think that we finished them. No, we finished them. Oh, we did. We liked them. Yeah, we've. well, I don't know that we liked them, but we finished we them. We finished them. Um, and it, there was, it was just a really strange thing. And there was like an aftertaste, sort of yeah. like a, a ketchup-y like cocktail sauce aftertaste to it. That just made it really, like, strange feeling. Yeah. You know what else we finished was those sugar donuts I found in <laughs> Tesco. Was it Tesco? Is that the name of the place? Yes. Yeah, it was Tesco. And they had their, like, their own brand sugar donuts that you then chased the rest of. I loved those. It was just hard for me to find things that I liked. And so I would find something that I liked, and I was like, oh, that's good. And I loved the sugar donuts. Clearly, I wasn't trying to be that healthy anymore. And <laughs> those sugar donuts, were it was just the right amount of sweet with a lot of bread, doughy bread. Mm, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> that was good stuff. We, like, we actually did pretty well eating at home while we were in, in Edinburgh. Well, we, we only ate out a couple of times and the, the groceries that we bought there really did last us. Um, I mean, for the, the whole time that we were there, like we ate at home most every meal, except for, I think twice, but yeah, it, um, and that w made it fun too. You sort of feel more like you feel more like you live there. Mm -hmm. It sounds like, um, and I mean, we did it to save money and it, it, it like, it is a bit of a chore, so it's not maybe something that you want to do on every vacation, but when you do it, it does make you feel more like a local because you go to a grocery store yeah. and most of the people in the grocery store are people that live there Yeah, and you sort of have more of that feeling of like I'm making dinner, I'm making lunch, th those kinds of things. And I really liked that there because I... I do think Edinburgh is a place where I would like to live one day. Mm -hmm. Well, that apartment was, like you said, was just really great because not only could you see the castle and you could see the grass market area, but there was this hill, which you may have mentioned and I didn't catch this, but like there's this little hill, grassy hill where everyone hung out yeah. and they would sit out there on like a blanket or they would like get their acoustic guitar and they'd be like playing music and so you always had like live music playing if it wasn't somebody there it was someone in the in the pub downstairs playing live music and you could always hear that even if you had the window shut you could hear the liveliness around you mm -hmm. and it was just all very much like people having a great time it's like no one had ever been hung in that <laughs> like, like hundreds of people hadn't been executed it's like right a there. bunch of people hadn't been executed in that area <laughs> no but seriously it, it had really really um great vibes it was just really really nice yeah 
it, it was definitely a, a cool place to be. I do remember it being like very, um, humid there though. It was like cold and kind of damp. And I remember we did laundry and we didn't have a dryer and we had like clothes laying out all over that apartment for like days trying to oh. get that stuff dry. <laughs> yeah. One of our favorite ways to see cities like this is to run them. Mm -hmm. And so we got in a pretty decent run that day. I mean, what yeah. was it? Six, seven miles? I think it was like six miles. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was decent. And we, it was a lot of uphill because my gosh, from the moment we got off the train, we were like climbing hills the oh, whole time. Yeah. Still stairs and hills in mm -hmm. Edinburgh. That is. Yeah all that there is oh my gosh so many and Somehow so you're always going uphill too yeah man and I, honestly I didn't remember that and so whenever we started that run that morning I was like oh, this is gonna be painful and it was <laughs> it was pretty painful <laughs> and then um that wasn't the only active thing that we did. We also went hiking later on, but um but the day we went for a run was also Easter Sunday. Yeah. So we got up, went for a run, and then we went to church, mm -hmm. um which is something that we knew that we had wanted to do, um especially Easter Sunday, and so we found you found actually a good church for us to go to that really aligned with our beliefs and um we got there really early like really early like <laughs> 30 to 45 minutes early yeah it, it definitely we made bet a lot better time than um than we thought we were going to yeah it was still early on in our navigating big cities yeah stage so. and we didn't like we didn't, we weren't taking public transport. We weren't going to pay for an Uber or anything like that. So we were walking and it was a fair distance. And so we left a little too early. And it was pretty early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the only thing more awkward than going to a church for the first time is going, getting there like 30 or 45 minutes early. <laughs> <laughs> so I just remember being like, oh man, like this is going to be painful because then you're talking about making small talk for like a really long time. But we met really great people. Yes, and yeah. that was like such a great experience. Everyone, the, the really funny part is that we were so excited to meet locals. And they all wanted us to meet people that had moved there from Texas. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I think everybody that we met, which everyone was really friendly. And would come up and talk to us. And then they, you know, they would ask us where we're from. We tell them we're from Texas and they'd be like, oh, oh, right over there. Like, I don't remember their names, but like Jimmy and Sally, they're like, they're from Texas. Don't you want to talk to them? You should talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, sure. I mean, like, I would be glad to meet them, but yeah. I kind of want to talk to you because you're not from Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, like this church that you picked was so perfect. It was the Community Church Edinburgh and it was just such a great experience like they were they were just so kind like yeah. you could just tell these people were so genuine um it was a really friendly congregation it was relatively small mm -hmm. everyone was still recovering from covid um so it was even set up a little differently um so they had things all spread out there were chairs and tables kind of like um 
like you would imagine like a breakfast setting where there's like these circular tables. And so every family kind of had its own table. And, and then if you were really concerned about COVID, you could go upstairs and wear a face mask and really social distance a little bit more, which I thought was really thoughtful. Um, It was also really cool because it was an old church. Yeah, a really old church, I think from like the 1600s. The or building itself, yes, yeah. was so old. And I thought that was really cool because that's not really, that's not really something we get to do as much in America is go inside a really old church and have a modern service. Yeah. And so that was a really fun experience. Um, it is funny too, though, just talking to people, you could tell right away, everyone was like, this is not England. This is Scotland. Yes. Can't you tell how different Scotland is? This is so different. You can tell this is not England, right? It's so different. (laughs) And I just thought that was really funny that everyone was so quick to point that out. Yeah, I was I was kind of surprised by that, too, that that they really like they would bring it up to you. Yeah. Like because they would ask, oh, where all have you been? And we would tell them like, oh, we just come from England. Like, oh, well, this is definitely not England. It's so different, right? Yeah. He would be like, well, yes, it is, but also it's not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, then the other part of me is like, I don't know. Like, I I think about that in my head and I'm like, it was so similar. Like, it's pretty similar. But then I do remember us getting off the train and being like, wow, this is so different. It it definitely did have have a different feel and you you did know what those people were talking about mm-hmm. when they would be like it's so different right you'd be like you know what it it it, it is, is. Like, yeah it is different and even though even though if you're from america and you set it right next to england you're like oh that's it's the same but like you said when you really get into it it's it's a lot different yeah yeah um this service was really like a little bit different too, because from what we're used to, there was a woman emceeing on stage. So she's on stage. She's kind of being the emcee. And then there was a man that was pastoring everything, but it wasn't really like much of a sermon so much. It was really interactive. Um, they they kind of did the whole thing like we do in America where it's like, hey, we usually have donuts. They had hot cross buns, mm-hmm, yeah. which is like, Oh my gosh, that's like a little unique and hot tea, which is, you know, a little different. Mostly in America, they just offer coffee and donuts. Yep. Um, but um, they, it was a really interactive service. Everyone, um, like different people would get up and share stories about like the hope that they have in Christ, which I thought was really cool that like so many people were a part of the service and a part it wasn't just one person up there talking about Christ. It was a bunch of people talking about the impact he's had on their life. And I thought that was really special. And, and then at the end of the service, and again, I'm just like a little blown away by how interactive the services are in the United Kingdom, because they just are not like that where we've been in America. I agree. I, and I, expected them to be a lot more formal and almost stuffy and I don't I don't know really where I got that idea but I I think I walked into it thinking like oh this will be a lot more formal and a lot more 
measured and traditional. Uh, yeah, traditional and sort of, and everyone will be more reserved. But it was kind of the opposite. It was a lot more interactive and a lot more creative, mm-hmm. I think, than stuff we're used to. And it was really cool to see people expressing their faith that way and living out their faith in in a way that I didn't expect and in a way that's different from what you're used to. That's right. Yeah. For example, like at the end of this service, they had everyone make flowers. So kind of while there's a, a very brief sermon happening and while people are giving kind of testimonies, everyone's sitting at their tables and they're making these flowers and then at the very end we all put these flowers on a cross and kind of this cross has just like flowers all over it and that was just one example of one of the ways that they made it interactive in addition to all the testimonies and different things that they had going on I don't know I just loved that the praise and worship was actually pretty familiar there were songs that we knew Mm -hmm. Um, it was all very approachable and we actually did end up meeting the guy and his family from Dallas, which was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, okay, yeah, okay. I think he also was getting a lot of people coming up to him saying, there are people here from Texas. You have to meet them. <laughs> <laughs> right. I feel like if you've ever been part of an organization that's small and is like a lot of like couples and you come into it as a single person and then the, another single person enters, everyone is like, you should talk to so-and-so, you should talk to so-and-so, yeah. you should, and like both people are, are getting it. And I think that's what was happening to them as well as to us. It was like, you should talk to, you should talk to, and so I think at some point we both just agreed, like we're, we need to make everyone happy right now. And make and contact. Like have a conversation with each other. Yeah. Time. It's so funny too, because it's not like we speak different languages. Right. Like if it was a service where it's like, oh, there's another English speaker over there. It'd be like, oh, let me yeah. find them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, but overall, like it just felt really good to be with other believers that day for me. Like it just felt really comforting um, mm-hmm. to be in foreign places and to um, to be around other people that believe like you do and um, and and show that, you know. So. Yeah, it was a it was a cool Easter, and we got to go have um, a Sunday roast right after that. That's right. That was so fun. Yeah, and I it it's something I would definitely recommend if you're in the UK. Um, a lot of pubs and restaurants will do a Sunday roast, and so it's more of a it's a traditional kind of thing, and it's lunch on a Sunday. And they make a certain number of them and then, you know, kind of once they're out, they're out. Um, so if you're wanting to do a Sunday roast, find a good place, make reservations and go early enough that, that you can get it. It's a lunch thing. But we went to a place called Badger and Company. Um, so cool. It was definitely cool. Like had all kinds of crazy cool vibes. Really, really good cocktails. Um the bartenders were cool. The wait staff was uh, was nice, and it was sort of had like a a posh, um, vintage yet modern sort of chic vibe to it. Um, we sat in like big armchairs, and um, yeah. like which was which was fun and and cool, and it uh, it had a luxury feel to it. Yeah, so the the theme Badger and Company comes from The Wind in the Willows, which I 
I grew up on as a kid. Maybe you did too, but it's the story of Mr. Toad and Toad Hall and Mole and Ratty and Badger. So there's paintings and art and all of that. And um, the story of the Wind in a Willow is actually kind of cool. The author um, was just a, a guy. He worked at a bank. And he had a son. So is this like, this is the story of the author? Yeah, of how, so the, how okay. the story came about. Got it. So the the author of, of The Wind in the Willows was just a guy that worked at a bank. And he had a son. And his son was born premature and was very small and was partially blind. And um, actually got the nickname Mouse because he was so small. And um, got kind of bullied and and made fun of him a lot in school but his dad would tell him these bedtime stories every night about Mr. Toad and Badger and Ratty and and Mr. Toad was this um adventurous toad that loved to travel and they lived in the English countryside and so he was always wanting to go on some kind of adventure and his friends would would be there to sort of help him out on his adventures or, or go with him or, or do things to, to sort of aid him in, in getting past himself. And, um, he would tell these stories to his son and one, one year he went on holiday. And so he wrote letters to his son and he wrote a, a lot of these stories. He would just continue to tell the story through these letters. Eventually, um, it got published as the wind in the willows and that's, where that story came about, how that came from. Uh, his son tragically died at Oxford um, in a in a train accident. And so when he passed away, the author donated the original copies and all of the rights to the to the Bodleian Library in Oxford, where we had been. Wow, we earlier. were just there. Yeah. Um, so it's just it's such a cool story, but this restaurant is is themed all through Wind in the Willows. And so it's sort of got this whimsical nature to it, and it's really posh and sleek. It's traditional pub fare, so I had the Sunday roast. Um, it was excellent. I think that you had um, a meat pie, um, if I remember right. I think you liked it, right? Yeah, it was good. And we tried haggis. Which we, we were did. graduating to try something a little more daring, which if you don't know what haggis is, it's a type of pudding, not like chocolate pudding, but pudding in that it's a mixture of things, pudding in the English sense of pudding. And it's composed of uh, sheep parts. <laughs> so like liver, heart, lungs, um, all of that kind of stuff, some oatmeal and some onions and it's all put into a sheep stomach and boiled. And so that's what haggis is. And we tried it. We actually tried it. Um, they have it as an appetizer and it's fried haggis bites. And it was actually really good. I liked it. Delicious. <laughs> yeah, totally recommend would, haggis. Yeah. So I, I, I have not had it in the traditional form, but I've had it in that way. And I liked it. I would, I would have it again. So it was good. Yeah, it was great. It gave me a really long, lovely Sunday, Easter Sunday nap. (laughs) (laughs) You went and took a big old nap that day. I slept for hours, but it was really fun to eat somewhere that was so special. um, Because I feel like 
Easter, we would normally be with friends or family. Right. And we couldn't be with either. Yeah. But it was fun to at least have an experience that made um, Easter Sunday lunch feel special still. Yeah. So without having to make it ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. So Sunday roast. If you're in Edinburgh, hit up hit up Badger and Company for a Sunday roast. We wanted to break in and tell you about something that you need to remember no matter what kind of trip you're on. Water. Being hydrated will help you enjoy the journey no matter what kind of journey it is. But it's so easy to forget. So set a goal for yourself and start early. A couple of glasses of water before you start your day will help you get over that lag and into your experiences. What do you want to share that will make travel better? Contact us and we can promote it here. The other thing you can do when you're in Edinburgh is with a short train ride, um, you can go see the coastal city, St. Andrews, and it is um, just a charming little, I don't even know if you'd call it a city so much as a village. It's Mm -hmm. like an hour away. You've got the St. Andrews golf course, which is famous. Yeah. It's where the open happens. It's kind of even, that's really more your lane than mine, but (laughs) um, just happened to have been there a couple of times and, and really get kind of get excited about that. Um, they were preparing for the 150th Open Championship while we were there, yep, which was deal. really cool. Um, and then there's a cathedral with cathedral ruins there, which is just um, really cool. It's like literally on the water, on the ocean. It's so cool. Um, it, w- it was a little bit closed, so we didn't really get to like walk amongst it. But I've been there before when you can actually just walk among the ruins and it's a very, it's a photo op for sure. Um, and that's just, those are just a couple of things. Like one of the big things that sticks out for me is St. Andrews University where Princess William and Kate Middleton met. It's like where like love happens, <laughs> royal love. In fact, I was there when Prince William was going to school there. And so that was like, wow, like he could be roaming the streets. Oh my God. Did you see him? Um, no, but Brooke did, Brooke Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> and she went chasing him down and um, he was on a bike. So he got away. He was on a bike. Well, she's pretty sure he was on a bike, and that was him. And then mm. she saw him. So it's just by himself. So on bike. basically, I saw him. <laughs> <laughs> I got really excited when I heard that story because I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I was like, "Just a block or two away." That's crazy. <laughs> oh man, good times. But um, one of the things that we did for the first time there is um, I had been in conversations with Dr. Paul Hain. Love you, Dr. Hain. Um, if you're listening, his daughter actually goes to St. Andrews University. And um, he and I had worked together. Um, and you, all the three of us, have really worked at the same company together. And um, he, I reached out to him to ask him, like, you know, what should we do while we're there? And he was giving us tips. And he recommended going to the Keys Bar. Yeah. Um, because it's a great local place to go to. And oh my gosh, you walk in and you feel, you feel local. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like and we was. literally met locals. Yeah. Didn't we meet like the bus driver for like the university's like sports team? Yeah. Like, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And we just chatted with him about like he'd just driven the team back from somewhere. Yeah. Like, yeah. Honestly, I kid you not. His accent was so thick. 
I just smiled and nodded because I couldn't (laughs) understand what he was saying. And you were gathering what he was saying. So you were able to actually have a conversation with him. But it was, it could have been a foreign language to me. Like I could not understand what he was saying, but it was just the accent. It was hilarious. I felt like, I felt so silly, but (laughs) (laughs) it's funny because I feel like we were headed down a sports road. And so I kind of figure was able to kind of guess where we were going to go anyway. So you just hope for the best. (laughs) (laughs) You did a good job. I was like, wow, I was impressed. So we, we got up the next day and we took a walk down the Royal mile. And so it runs from the castle down to the Royal residence where the Royal family stays when they're in Edinburgh. So through the streets and shops and there's been countless processions from royalty up and down that street and it's a really um, fun experience to just walk through but we were on our way to hike Arthur's seat that's right yeah and it kind of starts right down there at the queen's residence Mm -hmm. down at the bottom of the royal mile um and oh my goodness what a cool experience i had no idea like we knew we it was one of the things to do quote Mm -hmm. but it was really special. Um, I just remember, like, I mean, well, one, the hike was a good workout. Like, it was, you know, yeah. it took some effort. It to was make a it legit happen. hike. Yeah. yeah. And then, two, you get to go see the Queen's residence, basically, along the way, um, which is great because yeah. it's super convenient. Um, there's actually an urban garden. I don't know if you remember, but there was, like, a garden right outside the Queen's residence, I do remember that. I and walk, it was, that. yeah, it was legit, like tons and tons of vegetation. Um, and it was just really surprising to see that right next to a royal residence. Yes. Just like a community garden, you know? Right. And that was so accessible. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but we hiked up this, you know, it's not, it's kind of a mountain. It's more like a, a big hill. There's this moment in time, like the snapshot I have in my head where we were just like walking up this hill and we're stopping and, you know, we're out of breath and all that kind of stuff. And I just remember thinking like, this is the most beautiful day, the most beautiful views. I had no idea we were going to get to be, feel like we were out in the country like we were and that you could be in such a cool city and have such great outdoor experiences. It was just all like, it just really stood out to me as a, pretty great experience yeah and to be able to do it on foot like we didn't have to take any transportation to get there That's true. like we just walked walked down and did the hike and that that kind of blew me away too that you could be that much in nature mm-hmm. f- with just a little bit of effort yeah yeah we also did a lot of things that were really close to where we were staying um like yeah. actually like the castle and yeah. things like that. Yeah, we toured the castle. That was pretty awesome. Um, we got to, you know, you get to go inside and go through it. So we didn't we didn't sign up for it like a guided tour. We just bought tickets to get access in. And so we walked through the castle, got to see all the stuff there, like the the palace and the the old throne room and the, the barracks. They have a lot of stuff on the on the um the Scottish army through the years and they also have like the Scottish crown jewels and they have the stone of destiny which 
I was intrigued by because how can you not be intrigued by something called the stone of destiny? (laughs) Um, But it's this massive stone in the Scottish Royals. So the, the Kings and and Queens of Scotland were always uh, their coronation services always took place with them standing on this stone and later like a wooden bench was added and they would like sit on it. But after England and Scotland became joined, Scotland became part of the United Kingdom. Then the British monarchs would also, their coronation services would take place on this stone. So this has gone back hundreds and hundreds of years. Even Queen Elizabeth II, uh, she was she stood on the stone during her service. Um, at some point in her reign, it was returned to Scotland from London, and so it was brought back to Edinburgh, brought back to the castle. I'm I'd be really interested to see when Charles has his coronation. Like, are they going to bring it back? I'm I'm interested to see how that kind of all unfolds, but. It's so interesting to see something physical that so many important people have touched and so much history has interacted with this physical thing. It was just really interesting to see stuff like that. There's tons of stuff like that in the castle. Um, You even got to witness the one o'clock gun. So they have a huge cannon that they shoot off at one o'clock every day. They have a big ceremony around it, um, and we got to be up there and watch that. And it's at the top of this hill, so when you're kind of done learning about the history and seeing the castle, you get to look out over the city, and you can see out to the ocean. You can see over to Arthur's seat, and just everything spread out in front of you all around, and you see why this castle is where where it is. It's built on an old volcano and it's just imposing and dominates the city. And that castle has actually been attacked more than any other place in Britain. And that's crazy. Yeah. Which there's just so much history there packed into one place. I, it, you could just go, I could just go back every day forever and still learn something new that I would find interesting. I think for me, the highlight of the trip to Edinburgh was Mary King's clothes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I loved that. Oh my goodness. Okay. And for people who don't know what a close is, it is a small, like little alleyway that was more or less a street, a very tiny alley mm-hmm. type of street that dates back to like the 17th century. So you're talking like the 1600s. Yeah. Um, and we went on a tour with the city of Edinburgh. They host a tour called the real Mary King's close. Mm -hmm. Mary King was, um, a famous woman. I don't remember what she's famous (laughs) for right now. (laughs) She was a businesswoman. Oh, she was a businesswoman. Oh, I love that. I should have remembered that. My gosh, they did such a good job on this tour. Yeah. I was floored. It was a, it was pretty dramatic, um, but the story itself is so dramatic. You don't even need like a lot of drama to like 
creep people out. But um, they basically did a dramatic retelling of what life was like inside Edinburgh homes around the 17th century. Mm-hmm. Um, so back in that day, the homes and all of the buildings in Edinburgh were, they were like up to 16, 17 stories tall, like huge. Like nobody would ever think of that. Yeah. But there were actual skyscrapers everywhere back that long ago. Um, but the the buildings were so tall, the homes were so tall, and people were living on all these different levels. Um, and the bathroom situation wasn't great. The, the whole living scenarios were not great, right? Right. And yeah. so people were like, you know, going to the bathroom in like buckets, basically, in the middle <laughs> of their home. Yeah. And so like the bucket would get full and they would like toss it out the window. Yep. Toss it out the window. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And they had this thing that they would say. What did they say whenever they, um, this phrase that they would yell whenever they would be like throwing all the piss out the window. (laughs) What did they say? They would say Gardy Lou. So they would, they would yell out Gardy Lou. Gardy Lou. And they would pause. And if someone below would hear that, then you could yell back, hold your hand. And that would mean like, hey, wait, 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 wait. Let me get by. And that's where the expression, um, I'll, I'll clean it up, poo-faced comes from because people would go out and they would have too many pints and they would be walking down the street. Someone would yell, Gardy Lou, and rather than responding, hold your hand and hurrying out of the way, they, in their state of intoxication, would just look up. It's so bad. And poo-faced and they would get they would get the poo on them yeah Mm. so if you have heard that expression (laughs) now you know where it comes from oh it's so bad but that's just like that's just a little bit of it because i mean like if you think about it if you live the floor well anywhere besides the top floor you're constantly having human waste being thrown falling down like rain outside your window basically <laughs> like oh man that's just it's just a lot um, rain. oh my gosh it's so crazy society had different ways of like you know where people lived and like the wealthiest people lived in the middle because they didn't want to walk all the way up the stairs but they also didn't want to live at the bottom because at the bottom is where all of the the poo the poo ended up and it would just like roll down the streets and it and if you've been to edinburgh and you you know the royal mile that jamin's talking about earlier it's this long street that goes down and you can imagine that like flows downhill everything goes downhill and so living at the bottom of that street honestly quite frankly like the queen's residence doesn't sound like a great place to be because this is the bottom of the hill (laughs) oh that's gross um but yeah so but this is actually where they got the term where we all get the term um middle class is they literally were living in the middle Mm -hmm. um so i just think that's kind of like interesting um but the stories they told uh, on this tour were so good. They talked about the Black Plague, um, which is very yeah. dramatic um, time in history. Um, and it's honestly, it's a little eerie because it's so similar to the COVID-19 pandemic that we've lived through. And I think all of us can really relate to that 
we the things that we heard we were just like that's literally exactly what we've lived through like that's so crazy um in this instance in edinburgh back in the 1600s there were two plagues actually plagues actually happening at the same time so there was pneumonia um going around but then there's also the pubonic plague i think i'm saying that correctly um and it was transmitted basically by rats which is like creepy (laughs) um but basically there'd be like fleas on rats that would bite rats and stuff and then uh, and anyway if you got the virus you were almost certain to die within three or four days you were just like death was was upon you and um people would put up white flags outside their front door to let the doctor know that there was someone sick there so it's basically kind of like notifying you know like notifying your well I don't know what do we do in COVID we would notify our employer different people like hey Mm. hey I've been you know I've contracted something like you know I'm staying home like I'm like I'm sick and this was their way of basically letting the doctor know like hey you need to stop by this house too and it's estimated that like half of the population died which I didn't even remember that stat till I looked it up recently. Like that's crazy. That is I think an insane thought. I think there was like thirty five thousand people yeah. that lived in the city at the time. So that's insane. Um, and this city, like we said, it's like sixteen stories tall. People are packed in. Nobody ever lived outside the city walls at that point. Most people there was wasn't there like a tax? It was a toll, yeah, to get in a, or to go out. Yeah, a toll to enter or leave the city. So. If you were very poor, you never left the city, maybe your whole life. And that's also just a ton of congestion, just a ton of people on top of people on top of people. Yeah. And no space to get out in literally the fresh air and be away from sickness, be away from poo. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... But yeah, like half of the population died. Um, and when someone did die, they would have to keep their body inside the home. There was nowhere, nothing to do with, nowhere to put the bodies. So they'd have to keep the body inside the home until someone could come through with a cart down the streets, these little closes, these small alleyways, and pick up the bodies and haul bodies off. So you're not talking about like this great funeral that you're having for your loved one. It's like you're letting them be thrown onto a pile of other dead bodies and being yeah. carried away forever. Just taken to a mass grave somewhere. Uh, to a mass grave. Yes, there were tons of mass graves at the time. And there was only one plague doctor that served the entire city at this time. Thousands of people. Again, I think 35,000 people is what I was reading. Um, they had only, over the whole course of like the three really horrible years, um, they only had two doctors the whole time. That's so crazy. One doctor at a time and only two over the course of all of that. I can't imagine being the doctor that had to live through all that. But um, they, the doctors, so just these two guys, basically, <laughs> um, they wore a face mask that looked 
like the head of, um, if you look this up on the internet, you'll, you'll see like, oh yes, I know I've seen this mask before, but it's got a really long beak. It looks like a bird. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's very pointed and very creepy, super creepy, super (laughs) creepy. Um, but there was a reason for that because it was so long they could, they were obviously working amongst so much, I mean, smells, stench, mm-hmm. um, that they were trying to be able to breathe, I guess. And so they would put a ton of herbs that smelled really good, like lavender and different things, and they would put them inside the beak of this mask. Well, unbeknownst to them, it was actually creating an air filter. So they were kind of wearing a face mask, like we all did during COVID-19. Yeah. And it was saving their life. And so... You wonder like how this doctor, these doctors could have, you know, I think one doctor was the main doctor the entire time. And then at the very end, he died and somebody else took over for a little while. That doctor, like, how did he survive all that time? Well, because he's basically wearing a face mask. I think that is terribly fascinating and something we can all relate to. He also carried a cane. And if anyone came too close, he'd hold up the cane. And it was about three feet long. And between that and his, you know, the length of his arm, it was about six feet, <laughs> which we would say is social distancing. Yeah. And then at one point, you know, when people were diagnosed with the plague, they, they were actually sent outside the city walls. So, you know, kind of like quarantine. you had to be quarantined, but there was nowhere to quarantine inside this packed little city. So they would send you outside the city walls. Um, kind of to a quarantine camp and you would stay there for like 12 weeks um which is really pretty crazy to think about it is it's amazing how how stuff sticks with us and just thinking about like that the mask that he wore and like just the the fear that it had to create with all these people dying and and you know if he's coming into your house somebody's sick and you could get sick and if you're sick, he's coming to see you and he's wearing this really like creepy mask, but I doubt that it, that it was initially creepy. I think it it became creepy and it it is just stuck with us for that long that now when you see those kind of masks and you see them, you know, around Halloween or something like that, you're like, Oh, it's so creepy, but it's just this like stuck thing from history. And that, that just won't let go. That's well, so yeah. interesting. It represents death. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. yeah. One other thing that I read about and that they told us about on the tour, but it's so gross. I couldn't decide if I was going to like actually talk about it on the podcast, but like this is so horrible, but people would get these kind of like, um, these lymph notes, their lymph notes would get full of like pus And the doctor would have to come in and like pop it before it popped itself and would become more septic and stuff. He would try to pop it and then bandage everything up. But after popping it, he would be, he would try to seal the skin back up. And he did that by burning the skin closed. Oh my goodness. Like as if people aren't in enough pain already. Right. And you know, and this is all happening so fast too. Like I can only imagine like you get sick one day, you put out the flag the next day, you have three or four days to live. Like by the time the doctor sees you, like 
what can he even do for you? And, and then you're being burned. Like, and this is happening to people of all ages, like even kids, like it was, um, pretty crazy. It's like really, really. And they really set the tone for all of that because when you go on this tour, they take you down under the city streets. That's the other thing that I haven't even really like expanded on is that all of this tour is happening underground at the bottom, bottom layers of the city, Mm -hmm. um, which at one point the city was kind of just torn down on one level and kind of leveled off and they created new streets over the old ones which is crazy to think about new yeah. buildings new streets they just kind of just covered it all probably because it was so gross <laughs> and they're like we're just gonna cover this all up but um but on this tour they take you down into all of these alleyways that go several stories down mm-hmm. and um it's yeah it's pretty pretty crazy it's definitely worth the the tour yeah it was fascinating to see and see those old homes the way they used to be and yeah those old houses remember like they took us by one and you couldn't go in but you could look in and you saw like they had like green wallpaper Mm -hmm. up and it was just such an interesting tour to take yeah. I'm so glad that we did that. That's probably one of the most haunted cities in the world, do you think? The I Black think we'll probably have to be with all that's gone on there. Yeah. But yeah, there were actually, you know what? There were haunted tours. There's a bus that did like haunted tours in Edinburgh. I'm really positive because mm-hmm. yeah. I wanted to get on it. You did. <laughs> you did want to get on it. I think I talked you into doing Mary King's Close instead of doing the haunted bus yes, tour. Yes, that's right. Um, I'm so glad (laughs) it was really well done. I mean, hands down, one of the best tours that we've been on in all the places that we've been to. Yeah. And something that we didn't know about until we got to the city and we're like kind of researching what we wanted to do. And we wanted to learn more about these closes and what it was and what it meant and, and something more like off the beaten path history wise. And this like was such a good find yeah it took the cake yeah and then after that we did another really scottish thing (laughs) yes well after after all of that we definitely needed a drink and so (laughs) we uh found a place um called the devil's advocate and so this is an advocate's close and so closes were either named after people like a famous person like mary king or what would go on there. And so advocates close is where all the lawyers were or advocates. And they now have a bar on that street that they call the devil's advocate. And you can go there. They have so many different kinds of scotch. It'll make your head spin. And it's a really cool kind of vibey place. We stood at the bar and had um, a scotch tasting. Uh, the bartender was super cool and walked us through scotch. Like I know a little bit about whiskey, but don't know much about scotch. And so he was really great to kind of tell us like, here's what makes this different. And when you taste this, think about this and really just sort of walked us through piece by piece for a scotch tasting. And you're in Scotland, so you got to have some scotch whiskey, yeah. right? And we had then um, some cocktails after we had the tasting and you actually ordered, or I think, did we just split? I think maybe we just shared yeah. an old fashioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but the old fashioned, we got it made with scotch. 
um, which made it really different. If you like old fashions, but you like a, you like like the peaty or smoky taste of scotch, having the old fashioned made with scotch was actually really good. Yeah. It wasn't it a certain kind of scotch too. Not all scotches have that smoky taste, but we've figured out, like, I was like, oh, I really like that smokiness. And, and then like, you know, we figured out that like you would do an old fashioned that way. And we're like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. I think we like in the tastings, I think you picked like one of your favorites or yes, I think it was one that you really liked. And he's like, well, this one, if you like this, you'll really like this one. And it's close. And he made a good recommendation for us. Yeah. Yeah. He did a really good job. Like that was really well done. And that was such another moment in time where I just remember sitting there with you at the bar and this place has like really, it's kind of like, it's literally in an alleyway. Like you would have to like work really hard to find it. And we just happened to come across it and you walk inside and it's got really high ceilings. And then up at the very top are some windows where natural light is coming in and the sun was starting to set and like the sun was coming in and shining and it was kind of like evening, but at the same time it just had like this nice soft light. And I was just like, man, this is like, what a great day. And I was like high off of the tour because I was just like, (laughs) my mind was blown by all the information they shared. And we just got to like sit around and talk about it and then learn about scotch. And I think that sealed the deal for us that day, probably. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That, that day was, was pretty amazing. Um, I got to go to a castle. You got to go to a really creepy haunted, like, place in Mary King's close and we got to have a drink to end it like that was that was the perfect day in Scotland for sure and it was our it was our last day there yeah we uh we had to move on sadly um I did not want to go Edinburgh was my favorite place um and it just it just left me wanting more I immediately started plotting how am I going to go back and make it back and we want to know what places have you been to that you feel that way yeah where have you been that has just left you wanting more and you just said I have to get back here as soon as possible we want to know them because we want to go there and steal them from you um, (laughs) or go there with you and have you show them to us but uh, you can get in touch with us and let us know um, on social media. Uh, you can find us in all the places. We would be so excited to hear from you. That's right, guys. Thanks for liking and reviewing both the videos and the podcast. Um, you're listening to the podcast right now, but those videos are out there on YouTube and they really help bring these stories to life. So yeah. if you want to see what we're talking about, go out on YouTube and find the video on Edinburgh and uh, make sure that you are subscribed both on YouTube and here wherever you're listening to podcasts because we are headed to Dublin next. We're actually traveling by plane now. We are headed to an airport in Edinburgh and we are going to hop on a plane and go to another country. New country. New country. Super fun. And, you know, I will admit, though, things got off to a little bit of a rocky start in <laughs> Dublin. <laughs> but you'll have to tune in to find out. Yeah, did we have the luck of the Irish or not? Hmm. Come back next time. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, you guys, we'll talk to you soon. Life is short. Wander well. <laughs>